0: Parenting is a full time job, and providing effective support for today's teens can be challenging. The Parent Engage 360 podcast aims to provide connections and information from experts in the fields of chemical health, mental health, internet safety, and more. It's a comprehensive view on parenting, provided in a personal, convenient format. Tune in to today's episode of the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. Thank you for joining us today for this installment of the Parent Engage 360 podcast. I'm the host, Liz Burgard, the Parent Involvement Coordinator. Believe it or not, a new school year is right around the corner. With that, we'll be welcoming the newest students to our district, the kindergartners. In today's podcast, we'll be hearing from two of the district's kindergarten teachers about what parents and guardians of our newest students can expect and what they can do to help their children be prepared for their kindergarten school year. I'd like to welcome kindergarten teachers, Abby Haas from Sand Creek Elementary and Nicole Hutner from Andover Elementary. Thank you so much for being here today to share your years of teaching expertise and insights with the listeners and with me. Thank you, Liz. We're happy to be here. Excited to share a little bit
1: about the magic of kindergarten with you today.
0: Love that. Abby, you've been a kindergarten teacher for 10 years. How did you land in the field of education and what do you think is the best part about your job? Well, uh, growing up, my parents were both
2: educators. My mom was a teacher, my dad was a teacher and then turned principal. So I was Exposed to the world of education and um, just all that it entailed, growing up, I would go with my mom to her classroom to help her set it up every summer, and really got excited uh, about about the world of education through them. Um, So that's where I where where it began, and then I went into the field when I went to college at the University of Minnesota, got my master's degree there as well. Um, the best part about teaching kindergarten, in my opinion, is being the first line of, of defense for children when they come to school to be the, the first one to teach them the love of learning and the love of being in school and how exciting it all can be and being the first one to help them understand everything from academics to getting along with other kids to learning to listen to new adults everything um you start with such a blank canvas with a lot of them and you just really get to be that first uh person that they have that they they come to at school and that's so special for a lot of the kids, they always remember, you know, their kindergarten teacher and all the special memories that you make. And then the progress that you see is my other favorite part about the, um, this. I'm sure Nicole would agree with me um, in saying that, you know, from comparing students academically, socially, emotionally from September all the way to June is just incredible. It is remarkable how much, um, how much gains that they, how many gains they make in that
0: amount of time so it sounds like you've had a love and kind of knew you wanted to be a teacher since you were born pretty much because both your parents were and then going to school with your mom and and dad and that's really amazing and i love what you said too about just the progress that kids make right like they come in with many different experiences up to that first day they go to kindergarten and then by the end of the year they've all learned so much socially uh, academically and all of the ways. Absolutely. I mean, they come in and they're all in so many
2: different places academically, (laughs) but even they all come in. Most of them don't know how to sit on the carpet or get in a line or hold a crayon or hold a pencil. And you really just start at the very very beginning, with the very very basics, and then by the end of the year, the things that we're all doing together and the routines that we have in place and everything that they've learned is just remarkable. And it's so it's so rewarding to see as a
0: teacher all of the all of the gains that they make each year. Nicole, how about you? You've been a kindergarten teacher for nine years. How did you yep. become? How did you get into this role? And what do you think the best part of the work you do is?
1: Um, well, very much like Abby, I grew up with. Um, An educator for a mom, early childhood. Um, My dad taught photography at the college level. Um, And so I just kind of grew up um, with that curiosity and that kind of growth mindset. Um, For the first 12 to 13 years of my career in the district, I bounced around between teaching grades one, two, and three. Um, And I had one of the kindergarten teacher's daughter in my class. And so I would stop um, at the end of the day and just kind of looking at all of that early literacy and early math um, the materials that were out on um, the activity she was doing, I just longed to be back to those um, young learners. Um, and so I called my principal up and I said, Hey, what are my chances of getting to move to kindergarten if I add my kindergarten endorsement this summer? And he said, Come talk to me. And, um, you know, shared if um, we added a night section, I would get to move. And I think by the end of that week, I was in kindergarten and I have found my place, my happy place, you know, very much like Abby touched on, they come in and, you know, you start the year with kind of that mindset, assume nothing, you know, so that you really are establishing what it looks like, sounds like, and feels like to be a learner in the classroom from day one, when they come in. And by the end of the year, they see themselves as readers and writers and mathematicians. um, I'm really kind of balancing helping them learn how to navigate the school system while maintaining their own individualism is
0: um, something we definitely strive for. It's fun just even hearing both of you talk. It, it just, it pours out of you that you love yeah. kindergarten and love the students and just watching them flourish and, and learn. I'm the students that have been in your class, I'm sure are quite lucky to have both of you mm-hmm. had teach as a teacher last nine and 10 years. Knowing that kindergarten is starting soon for many students, what can parents and guardians do to help their young student prepare for kindergarten I know it's still four weeks away I don't want to rush summer away from anyone. But are there things that parents can do or older siblings that maybe have gone through kindergarten first middle school elementary school or high school, what can they help the student to do to prepare.
1: I guess when I think about that, I think about building independence. Um, One of the things I always try and communicate with families at like through open house or parent night is anything a child can learn how to do for themselves, they need to be able to do for themselves, changing that expectation for them. So once they can zip and button and put their shoes on independently, that becomes the expectation and that, yep, it might take a little longer, um, but the more that they can do for themselves, the more... um, success they find in kindergarten, that sense of, you know, worth, and they're so proud of the things that they can do independently. Um, And so um, finding ways for them to build that independence with opening their own snacks, lunch materials, um, independently, you know, stuffing their backpack and taking care of their materials.
2: Yeah, going off of what Nicole just said about lunch too. During September, I always send my families an email, um, just asking them that if they're sending their child with a lunch to school, please help them understand the difference between their lunch and their snack.
1: Their snack. Um, yep. <laughs> you
2: You would assume, oh, a kid knows the difference between a bag of goldfish and a box with a sandwich in it, but they, they're so excited. There's so much going on. They, they don't always recognize the difference between those. So even every morning, just saying, this is your lunch. This is your snack. And then I also talk to my families about if they are sending their child to school with a cold lunch, practicing at home, opening up the juice box, if that's what you sent, or opening up the granola bar. Um, what do you do with the wrappers when you're done? Where, where do you think that they should go? And really just talking through all of those independent steps like Nicole was talking about. Mm-hmm. You know, If you go to the bathroom at school, what are you going to do after you go, go to the bathroom? And children really, if they can repeat back to you and say to you what they're going to do next, that really helps them um, solidify a routine in, in their mind. Um, so I would 100% agree with Nicole on that about the independence, um, and families can also know too that they'll there will be things coming back and forth from school that will be really helpful for them to look at as well. I think I, I think I would probably be accurate in saying almost every kindergarten teacher in this district has a take home folder mm-hmm. for their student. You know, they they all look different. Everyone mm-hmm. would probably have a different style. But for the most part, we all send home a folder, it goes back and forth, and that's a big line of communication on any papers that the kids uh, completed that day, any handouts from the school or from the district, um, information from the teacher. So as a parent, you can really um, show your child that checking that folder each day is really important. Taking it out of the backpack, looking at everything, taking it out of the folder, putting it back in the backpack. A teacher really makes sure that that is filled each day. Nicole, I'm assuming you guys do that as well.
1: Absolutely. And I think it's a great way to, um, whether it comes home once a week or daily, um, many times when the kids come home from school and you ask, how was your day? What did you do? And they just have nothing. It was fine. And they don't recall <laughs> anything yeah. um, kind of establishing that routine where you go through the folder allows them time to look at some of the artifacts from the day and say, oh yeah, I remember today we talked about the letter M and it makes the mm sound. And so it helps them have, um, an artifact to remember, um, the highlights of their day.
0: Going back to your point, Abby, about the snacks. Even having older children that now send a snack in the summer because they usually don't have it during the school year, I put the snack in the backpack with the lunchbox, and then they both came home and were like, "What? We didn't have a snack today." So then the next day, I had to say, "Like, okay, your back, your lunch is in the big part, and watch me zip your snack into the front pocket. They're two separate things." And they're like, "Oh." showing them and they're not in kindergarten. So I think that's even, I should have showed them many years ago, I guess that, that point that you were making. <laughs> yes.
2: I i have had many kids, even this past year where parents are oh, very well-meaning, very organized, putting the snack into the lunchbox. We have lunch first and the kid eats everything in the lunchbox. They're hungry. They they wanted to keep eating. And then we get to snack time and it's, oh, I don't have a snack. There's nothing in there. And after a few days, if I ask the parent, you know, are you, are, are you able to send a snack to school? You know, they're hungry by snack time. And they say, oh, I've been sending it in their lunchbox, you know, every day. And so they'll, there's just miscommunication between the five-year-old and what the expectation is. And um We don't always have time to check every lunchbox when there's 22 kids and we've got five minutes to get to lunch. So just talking to your kids through those very simple, simple things are are really helpful. Um, Same with like as simple as buttoning your pants and Velcroing your shoes. If you have never done, if your child has never done that independently before, they aren't going to just magically learn it for themselves on their first day in a brand new school with a brand new adult and brand new kids. So those simple things are something that you can practice even in August, practice going to the bathroom, buttoning your pants, zipping your pants yourself if you have never done it before, or putting your shoes back on yourself, zipping your backpack yourself, um, putting your folder into your backpack yourself. They sound so simple and so, um, so, so easy that parents, I don't think, ever have their kids practice it. And then when they get to school and they're in a brand new environment and there's kids everywhere and they're in the hallway with a brand new locker they're looking at everything and it's just overload and Mm on if if they practice those things that can that can be helpful too and we don't expect perfection we're kindergarten teachers (laughs) we we know that, that there's still going to be plenty of assistance needed but the more practice that they have before they come to school the easier it'll be for them
1: yeah well and that practice makes it permanent so once they've practiced and built that muscle memory that skill becomes a permanent part of who they are. And so it just helps them feel more successful. And, you know, when it comes to like recess time, we want to get those kids out there enjoying that pressure as quickly as we can. But when you're zipping 22, you know, <laughs> coats or things like that, the more they practice. Um, and I know Abby had touched on the bathroom piece. Um, one of the things I always share with families too, you know, my first was a boy and I'm the one who always took them to the bathroom. And so I just remember the first time my brother brought him to the bathroom. And he was so excited and ran right to the kid's size hand sink that was a urinal. And so just (laughs) reminding families um, to make sure they have experience with those things. They don't have urinals or things like that in the home, but they're going to be exposed to those things at school. So making sure they've had exposure to that as well. I know it's a little bit of a silly story, but um, those are the little things that we sometimes take for granted.
0: And I think it's a really good reminder too of like we all learned these things but it took us time and practice and like how we know how to do it someone at some point took the time to explain it to us so i think that is a really great story of just like we we just need to remind our kids and talk to our kids like do you Mm -hmm. know what that is and do you know what it's used for
1: yeah
0: kind of switching gears a little bit i know we all went to kindergarten uh, obviously because now we're we're in the field of education And school, when we were in kindergarten, probably looks a lot different than it does today. Can you give uh, parents or guardians or people listening to the podcast an idea of what a typical school day might look like? I know there's 26 elementary schools in our district and not every day looks the same for every kindergarten classroom. But from your two perspective, can you give us kind of an overview of what it might look like or maybe what we could expect starting in kindergarten? They experience
1: whole group instruction. Um, The beginning of kindergarten focuses a lot of phonemic awareness, um, hearing rhyme, being able to play around with the sounds and words, phonics, um, concepts of print, just book handling and understanding the concept of a story. We have um, a really strong math program that embeds Number Corner, which is an opportunity for students to develop their computational fluency, um, understand what a number line is, what comes um, before and after specific numbers. There's a lot of fun games. They're going to learn about Hap the Grasshopper, um, which hops up and down the number line and helps them um, discover just the ordinal number system. Uh, We have Workplaces, which is an opportunity for them to, through gameplay, practice important math skills um, as they're learned through our Bridges Curriculum. Um, Anything else, Abby, that you feel is part of that very busy kindergarten day?
2: Yeah, uh, well, all of the things that you said, and if you can believe it, even more. That I'm sure, <laughs> that I'm sure, are your child—they're going to come home exhausted. Just start there. Your child will be falling asleep at six o'clock every night. That's what parents <laughs> always tell us. But I along with teacher, right? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. So along with that, um, Nicole mentioned workplaces, which is a lot like small math games. Um, we do a similar thing in reading. We do reading centers, and it give it, children are given the opportunity to go around the room and participate in 15 to 20 minute literacy centers. A lot of them are hands on at the beginning of the year. And um, that is a a time where they're able to be a little more interactive and involved with the other kids in the class as well. Um, Doing small reading groups during that time is something that the teacher would be participating in or doing assessments, just depending on what the need is for that time. Um, We've touched on lunch that they'll, going to the lunchroom and having lunch with all of the other kindergarten classes at the same time. It's a very stimulating experience for the kids because it's (laughs) being in one room with 100 other kindergartners and you have 25 minutes to eat and it's a lot. It really is. So it takes them a little while to get used to something like that, Uh, Recess. Like Nicole said earlier, we have a 30-minute recess every day where the kids are outside and they're playing on the equipment or playing games in the field, swinging whatnot. Um, we have a snack time each day. We usually devote around 15-ish minutes to snack if we if we're able to um, get that in. And then I a lot of times we have. It's later in the school year, but some intervention time built in, even on top of that as well. And we use that time to meet with kids who are uh, struggling in different academic areas. But that typically doesn't get up and running in kindergarten until a few months in. So that's nothing that um, would be like in the first month of school or anything. But there's a lot that goes on in a day in kindergarten. It's very fast-paced. It's
1: very um, structured and there is not a lot of downtime? No, one celebration, um, they spend, you know, obviously most of their day with us, but they do get a break from us (laughs) while we are prepping and um, preparing um, all of the activities and learning that happens in the classroom. And a celebration this year for kindergarten is they are going to have um, the same special opportunity as grades one through five. So um, in the past um, kindergarten has had um, pair support So pairs have covered kind of that prep time, and then we slowly added Explorations, which is a science and social studies time for them. Uh, We add a full hour of gym, but this next year, they're going to also receive a full hour of music, art, they'll have gym, media for a half hour, um, and then Core, which I've kind of heard through the grapevine, they're going to get to have a little bit of opportunity with some coding I'm talking a little bit about
0: that. So they're gonna get some experiences outside of the classroom too. They get to do exactly. the the gym and the music and some, cause some kids really flourish in those areas or also we need do. that break from the academic part of it as well. Yeah. Yep. I know we talked a little bit about the first, like what a day looks like. And I do remember when my kids were in kindergarten that I they came home exhausted because they are learning new people, learning a new building, learning all of the new things. So I think that's a really thing, great thing to remind parents that kids are tired and so are the teachers as you mentioned because you kind of forget how much of the routine you're reteaching and because a lot of them haven't been there before. What about the first month of school when kids started to learn the routine and then kind of into the school year? What does that look like? Is it pretty similar to what you guys talked about already? So the
2: first two days of kindergarten are split between the first half of the class and the second half of the class. So the first day of school, I'm not sure what the actual date is of it this year, but that Tuesday uh, will be kindergartners with the last names A starting with A through L. And then Wednesday will be the kindergartners coming with last names starting M through Z. And this is helpful for those kids to do on their first day because they have a smaller group of kids. Um, We as kindergarten teachers are able to have a, a, a little more focus on them. Um, just for that first day, finding their locker, unloading all their supplies from their backpack, all of the little things that they will need a lot of assistance with. Um, Getting through the breakfast and the lunch line for the first time. So that really helps having a smaller group on that day. And then Thursday is the day that all of the class will come together, and they'll all um, meet each other for the first time as as a group. And then September is really spent learning structure, routines, how to school look and feel and sound like Nicole said earlier you know what are all of these new new things around me who are these people what are the expectations for how I act in this classroom in that hallway how do I treat one another or how do we treat one another so September is exhausting in terms of just learning a new world they may not come home learning a ton academic academically in September. We still will do plenty of academics, um, but it's the main, main focus is to set up that structure and routine because we as kindergarten teachers have learned that if you do not have that set in place and you do not have those expectations fully out there for them to understand, you will not get the academic results that you're hoping for so lots of routines lots of practice practice lining up practice sitting down then do it again then do it for a third time (laughs) so setting up different routines in, in that sense that's a huge part of September and then lots of breaks because these kids come to school and we can't expect them to just listen 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 learn 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 All day long when they haven't been there yet. So we will learn some new routines and then take a little wiggle break, learn, learn another new set of routines and then maybe take an extra 10 minutes outside to go get some energy out. So lots of breaking up the day in that sense. Um, They will be very tired. There's always a few sweet little darlings that fall asleep in the afternoon because they're so exhausted. They may just fall right over during snack time at their table and we'll just nudge them right up and keep going along. Um, so yeah. Any, anything else, Nicole? That
1: No, I think it's just a lot of stamina building. Yes. A lot of guided discovery. Um, so they're learning the now school way of using materials in the classroom Sometimes, you know, I think think it's silly. You know, we're doing guided discovery with a pencil or with a crayon, but you're also talking about those what-ifs. What if my pencil isn't sharp anymore? What if it breaks? How do I handle those things in a school environment? Learning how to kind of wait their turn. Yeah, that goes
2: along with the independence part that you were talking about Mm -hmm. earlier, Nicole, of how do I solve a problem if a problem comes up when I'm at school because there are so many different problems that kids come across throughout the day, whether it has to do with a supply, whether it has to do with a friend, whether it has to do with something that they think they've lost. And a huge thing that we focus on throughout the entire year in kindergarten is helping children learn how to solve problems themselves. Um, We stop a lot and say, let's think about the problem. How could we solve it without an adult. Now, obviously, there will be plenty of problems that need adult assistance to um, get solved. But it, it's a huge piece of them learning their independence too. Is mm-hmm. just like she said. Here, here's my pencil. It's not sharp anymore. What should I do? And then taking the steps to figure that out. So we have to teach that. We teach. We teach all of the things that you would assume that kids know, but they don't.
1: <laughs> they have to learn them somewhere. Well, and they're learning them um, in a completely different structure now. Right. You know, they might have known how to solve that problem with sharpening your pencil or taking turns when playing a game. You know, when you are playing, you know, kindergartner versus mom or dad, but it's very different when they're pa- playing with a peer or when there's 22 other students that are also wanting to use crayons and markers and all the different tools that they're learning about, and then. You know, we have this kind of gradual release in how we're introducing kids to those routines. Um, We don't have them sit all day long and learn about everything all at once. It's when those problems arise. You know, when I'm noticing that my students maybe are struggling with something specific, it's kind of tailoring what happens in the classroom to help them develop the words to use. You know, I notice you're having a tough time, you know, maybe maintaining play with a friend or, how to intervene or how to talk with someone. It's helping them learn the words to kind of say, because they've not maybe had to do that in a a setting with as many students or as many different bodies. And so just, it it takes time. It's fun and it's enjoyable watching them learn and grow from, you know, maybe um, having a hard time, not always being first or having a hard time not being the winner all the time to, you know, at the end of a math game, shaking hands with their partner and saying, good game, and turning <laughs> each other on. So and there's a even,
2: lot more. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> well, I was going to
2: say, even kids who have gone to preschool um, are, are going to be learning new social, new social discoveries and new social cues. You know, they're, <gasps> they're at an advantage because they have been in a classroom structure before. They've been with a group of other kids before and had to learn how to navigate a classroom. Um, but this is a whole new group of kids and a whole new teacher and different expectations. So everyone, no matter what their background is before kindergarten, everyone is learning something new. Everyone is is going to be um, making new discoveries for how they're going to navigate their day at their new school. So it's a, it's a journey for all of them.
1: When I you say everyone and that's teachers included, I think that's one of the, the joys of our job as an educator, not just as a kindergarten teacher, but like any grade level, it's brand new for us too. So we're also part of the learning journey of forming this class into one. I mean, you think about it, I start the year with, you know, 22, 23, 24 different individuals, myself, para, special ed teachers, anyone who comes in contact with my students included. And by the end of the year, you're one solid unit and they take care of each other. They take care of me. You know, I come in, you know, I have a headache and, you know, they're concerned and they want to, you know, take care of each other. They applaud each other and cheerlead each other, which is really, really um, one of the remarkable things about kindergarten. You know, one of the benefits of our job, too, is, you know, you could have the worst morning. You spill your coffee on your way to work and you trip over the dog and, you know, you forget to sign a child's paper at home and that bell rings and those kids walk through the door and they are filled with so much joy and excitement for learning. And we get to present things in a way that keeps them excited and keeps them curious. And I feel we're we're pretty lucky to have the job that we have.
0: I love that too and I, when I used to teach third grade and when the students would come in and you'd kind of be crabby you'd have an off mm-hmm. morning and then one of your kiddos would say something to you and it would just like flip your whole day around to like and mm-hmm. laugh with them and I don't know just like you just become one and and you get to learn everyone's personalities whether you have 22 or 23 children mm-hmm. and every student does come in with unique things about them that make them special and I that was the that, like you had said it's just like so amazing to get to learn each of your students and what makes them tick and how you the relationship you build with them too and it it is does really mean a lot as a teacher as well to have those relationships and every class is completely different yep every year you think you know what you're doing and then you'll become a better teacher because of experiences you had the year before as well the other thing I liked what you guys had said too is about the perspective like maybe they can do it at home I know where to go home when I'm at home to sharpen my pencil but now there's 22 kids in my class and I don't know where the pencil sharpener is. I don't know how to use this pencil sharpener that they have here. So I think that we might know how to do it in one setting but carrying it over to a new setting is also, those small things that we learn how to do each day does take a lot longer to teach someone. I know what
1: I share with families is location as memory. You know, if I'm only ever sharpening pencils in the office at my house or if I'm only ever practicing my letters on the couch um, with Mom or with Dad um, or with Grandma or Grandpa, whoever my grown-up is, sometimes it's harder for kids to transfer those skills. And so it's not just academic skills. it's can I zip my couch outside as you know, we're rushing in to get to the car. Can I do these skills in multiple locations? And so, you know, don't just read a book on the couch or in bed, read it in lots of places. Don't just practice counting in the same location over and over again because that just helps kids learn that flexibility and they're much more successful at transferring those skills from one location to another.
0: Many of the students and families, maybe the first time they enter the school or your school will be at open house, which is coming up on August 31st this year, which just seems not that far away because it's not. What can that what does that experience look like for for kindergartners? Or what what does that look like if I'm a parent that maybe has never been in the school that my my child will be going to?
1: Well, I can say at Andover Elementary with 12 to 1300 students, it's very overwhelming. Um, (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Lots and lots of bodies. um, And so just be prepared for that. I know one piece of advice I, you know, share with families is come a little later. It seems like everyone wants to be there right when open house starts. And so, like, I can meet all of my families within the first hour. And so, the last, you know, half hour, 45 minutes, it's just former students coming to visit. And so, don't feel like you have to be there right away. The teacher is going to be excited to to meet you and share, you know, this this new room that's going to be your child's home away from home for the year all the way up until the end. Um, and then just practice finding, you know, places like gym, music, art, just so that they feel comfortable in the building. Um, what, what do you think, Abby?
2: Yeah, we we do it very similarly at Sand Creek as what uh, Nicole was just describing. Our open house is really just meant for uh, families to come in and meet all of the staff, um, see where your child is going to be, like you said, a home away from home for the next year, and just help them familiarize themselves with the school, Uh, find the bathrooms, find the lunchroom, um, this is the office, this is where the bus drops off, different areas like that. And then when it comes to actually meeting your child's classroom teacher, it can also feel a little overwhelming for families because there's one teacher, but there's 22 families all of a sudden there who want to talk and introduce themselves and chat about the questions that you have because you're not exactly sure how lunch money works or you're not exactly sure about where supplies should be dropped off, Um, different things like that. So if you're a family and you walk into your child's room and you see, oh gosh, there's eight other families here. We're never going to get a chance. You will, I promise. We're very good at... Connecting with families and and answering your questions and then moving on to the next to the next one. Um, we are always always open to communicating with you after open house as well. Phone calls, emails. So if you just feel like you leave the building that night and you think, oh shoot, there were two questions that I meant to ask her and I forgot, um, I, emailing right away is uh, the best way to, for us to just quickly answer your questions. It's No question is too silly. There's so many things that when it's your child's first experience in school that you, you just haven't learned yet and you don't know what the protocol is and how it works. So a lot of question answering. There sometimes here and there, there's different forms to fill out. Sometimes we send those home and say, bring them back. So you might get a couple of forms um, to fill out, like emergency contact or any, anything along those lines. Otherwise, it's really just to help your child get excited. You know, bring them into the room and say, this is where you're going to be. This is going to be so exciting.
0: Help them feel like they're going to be starting a fun new journey at their mm-hmm. school it is overwhelming to go there the first time I remember and being like, I don't even know where your classroom is. Let's look at them because there's usually volunteers or staff to greet you and you get there and <laughs> kind of tell you where to go because some of the schools are very large. Um, and to navigate that and then to learn where the bathroom is. I know it helped me as a parent to like feel less anxiety about my kid going to school when I kind of could see the lay of the land and knew where they were going and who their teacher was. It's but but also very exciting and to see them kind of light up like this is my teacher. Um, so those are really great tips for open house that is coming up here soon. How about you kind of mentioned this, Abby, a little bit about communication. So if I have a question as a parent is email the best way or phone calls the best way and then do most, um, and I know you said most kindergarten teachers probably sent home a folder, but what is the best way to communicate with a teacher if you have questions and how do you communicate then back to parents or guardians or grandparents, or whoever that might be? If you are comfortable using email, email is the quickest
2: way to get a response from a teacher during the day. Um, uh, Many teachers have their email up but are not able to be next to their computer all day long. But if they see a quick uh, email that can just have a quick response of, yep, I'll make sure that goes home in their backpack, or yep, I'll make sure to tell them such and such. Um, Email is definitely the quickest way to communicate with your child's teacher and get a response back. Um, Sending a note in their take-home folder is also something that I'm definitely familiar with and that families like to do. Um, Some families just don't like using email as much and writing down a quick note in the morning saying, Joey's going home with his dad tonight. His dad's truck will be there waiting for him at parent pickup. Please use this note as communication of that. That works fine too. Phone calls are usually the slowest way to get a hold of your child's teacher. You'll still get a hold of us. We all have phone numbers. We all um, have a voicemail that you can leave a voice message on. but we do not have our phones ring into our classroom during the day so that they're not disrupting instruction. And we very rarely get a chance to check our voicemail during the school day. So if you leave a voicemail at noon, I may not hear it until 4.30 after your child has already left for the day. So if it was something immediate that you wanted me to tell your child, that will most likely not happen that day. Um, email will be a lot quicker and any emergencies would obviously always go through the office. That's something um, completely different. But I, I would say for myself and my colleagues that work at Sand Creek with me that email is quickest for us. Um, Nicole, would you agree with that?
1: I would agree, definitely. Um, Email is usually the easiest. Um, Sometimes just allowing or being mindful that it might take up to 24 hours for a teacher to give a response, depending on how busy that schedule is during the day. You know, especially in kindergarten, there's sometimes during our prep times we're actually spending a lot of that time um, at the beginning of the year maybe walking a student that went to the bathroom during specials and I did it back in the classroom because I couldn't remember how to get back to art or music or gym, or I'm um, kind of navigating that that type of thing. Um, and then like Abby said, any emergencies, or if it's even like halfway through the day and all of a sudden, you know, they're going to go to parent pickup or, you know, now you need them to take the bus to let the office know so that um, we can guarantee that message is brought to us. Um, or if there's ever a time to, we are out of the building. Um, That way then a guest teacher would also have that information to make sure um, that's um, communicated to your child.
0: Typically the school day for Anoka, I know it varies because we do have 26 elementaries, but the typical school day, most schools start around nine, between nine and 9.30, right? And then they end between 3.30 and four for the, the length of a school day. And during the school day, as we've talked about, there's some um, academics piece, there's time for students to to talk one-on-one or to really uh, learn routines and, and learn about their, their peers and then also their teacher. And then the school day wraps up. Some kids take the bus home, some kids do parent pickup, and some kids do Adventures Plus after school. And so, for a parent that maybe doesn't know that there are after-school opportunities for students after school, or you could either of you talk about the community community ed classes that might be offered, and or Adventures Plus, if parents were wondering or curious about other opportunities that might be available for their child?
2: Yeah, at um, Sand Creek we send home the community ed flyers each month, and the community education classes are completely voluntary for you to sign up for if you want your child to be involved in anything like that. But they range from all different types of topics, from a gym class to an art class or a computer class, um, and they would just be a few times a month if you signed your student up for that. But then on those days they just stay right after school. They're typically an hour long, um, and they would get to be involved in those um, different classes. Adventures Plus is an a af- before and after school child care program that you have to pre-apply for, get approved for, pay for monthly, and then that serves as a, a child care service before and after school where parents drop off and pick up and they serve as a separate um, entity kind of from the classroom. We're, we're not involved in how that runs or um, the kids that are involved in that are all put together no matter what classroom that they're in. So if you're in a certain kindergarten classroom, you'll be with all the kindergartners at Adventures Plus. Um, It's all, it's all, all the kids are mixed together
0: in that. Nicole, how about if I'm a parent and I would like to be involved at the school, are there ways for me to volunteer or to go on field trips or something like that? If I I wanted to do more, I had the, the time to do that? Yes, um, each
1: school has um, a volunteer coordinator, um, and it's actually very easy to go right on to the Anoka-Hennepin website and go to your school on your homeschool's website to fill out all of the volunteer paperwork. Um, they will um, do a background check, and there's lots of opportunities um, to be in it as involved as you possibly can be. And so some classroom teachers might send home you know, things that you can cut apart and assemble, Um, If that's on the volunteer experience you're looking for, as well as coming into the classroom, Um, we have a program in kindergarten called Kindergarten Skill Builders in which you get to go through a little bit of training Um, and then you come into the classroom and you might work with your particular child's classroom or possibly other classrooms to help support students in both reading um, activities as well as math. Um, Some parents volunteer um, just for parties or field trips. Um, throughout the year, as well as school functions. So each school has different activities, whether it be like a um, activity night, um, sometimes there's like a nacho night, or showcases of academics, um, to even carnivals in which you can volunteer for those activities as well as a whole school um, opportunity.
0: Thank you both so much for sharing a lot of a lot of things that parents can contemplate as their children are are going to be entering kindergarten. But as we wrap up the podcast, what are there any other tips or takeaways or extra resources that you would want to share with parents as they begin this school journey? My biggest tip for parents, I
2: would say, don't stress. If you're worried about sending off your first child to school, if you've never done this before, they're going to be fine. They're going to have so much fun. It's going to be a transition. There will be a learning curve. Um, you will probably get the crabby version of them when we send them home at the end of the day, (laughs) because they will be so exhausted. So we're sorry about that, (laughs) but don't stress. We as kindergarten teachers have very realistic expectations of what we know, um, the backgrounds are of all of our kids coming in. We don't expect them to come in as perfect reading, well-behaved, sitting still little children. We know that we have five-year-olds coming in who are excited to learn and um, are just starting off their journey in school and wanna meet new friends and learn how to read and learn how to do math and we, will help them every step of the way. We are there for them um, on this journey. And we promise it'll all work out. It'll all be great. I know it's scary thinking of sending off, sending your child off to school, you know, brand new environment, new, new class, new adults. Um, it'll all be good. Don't stress. And when in doubt, just email. It's fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say communication is key, I think. The more you communicate and the more you remember, we are on your child's team. We are a team together to make um, the year successful and enjoyable um, for the parents as well as, you know, the kids as well as the parents. Because, you know, we want the parents to feel comfortable and confident in their child and the experiences that they're having. But the more you can communicate, even if it's something silly um, that could, you know, because little kids, you know, kindergartners, you know, they've been on this earth five years. Um, And so what's a big problem to them might seem very trivial to us, you know, whether it's they can't find, you know, their favorite stuffy and it's, you know, missing or, you know, you didn't put in their favorite snack. And so they worry about these things. But, you know, any little thing to it might seem silly, communicate. Just let us know because um, the more you share um, the relationship you have with your child, the more we get to build a stronger relationship with them at school, too.
2: It's not silly, though. Nicole's absolutely not. right. I have, I have parents email me all the time saying, you know, their dog died last night. Uh-huh. They're probably going to be really sad today. I just want you to know that when they show up, if they look sad this is why and as their teacher that's so good to know you're spending all day with them you want to know exactly what's you know going on if they come in different than they normally would um so details like that aren't aren't Mm -hmm. silly at all it's really helpful as the adult who's with your child all day to know those things um or different things like oh they're their brother and their sister are both sick. I don't think they're sick. But if you happen to see any of these symptoms coming up, it would make sense. Things like that. Mm-hmm. up.
1: Um, haven't gotten enough sleep. Yeah.
2: I've had plenty of emails that say they were up really late. They couldn't sleep. They were up until 11 o'clock. Just so you know, they're going to be crabby today. It helps us because they walk in crabby and you go, okay, this is why they didn't get any sleep last night. So it really think about whatever you would have told their daycare provider, if you were dropping them off at daycare, we aren't a daycare, I'm not saying that. But whatever you would have told the adult who was taking care of them for the day, whatever you would have communicated, we love to know those things. Um, It helps us, especially when we have a whole classroom of kids it's some, these little types of things like noticing that Joey's sad because his dog died last night. I might not notice it right away because I'm over here dealing with this little problem or helping this kid. So knowing those things really help us and they help us connect them with those kids and make sure that they're successful um, at school that day or that they just have a little extra love from their teacher that day because they're feeling sad or they're tired. <laughs> Either one.
1: Yeah, There's a lot of new emotions and new experiences in kindergarten. And so just having a little of that insider information just helps create a more successful day for the child and a more successful day um, just in the classroom and their experiences. So, yep. And it, it can be a quick email, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't have to be the
1: whole story. Just a no. little <laughs> heads up of, of this is <laughs> happening today. Yep. FYI. Yeah. Yep, just enough, you know, cause like I said, like, to us, it might not be that big of a deal, but to them, sometimes it is, you know, and mm-hmm. and the mornings are busy, you know, when you have 20, 22 kids coming in, you're saying, you know, you make sure you greet every child, but some are going to breakfast and some are, you know, maybe either starting morning work or sensory bins or whatever you have going as part of your morning routine. Um, sometimes that check-in with that child might not be as lengthy as it needed to be to discover, um, that maybe they're a little bit off. And so this way you can give them a little extra love, a few extra thumbs up, you know, just even a hand on the shoulder sometimes. um,
2: And it's very common in kindergarten to get emails from parents saying, you know, so-and-so woke up this morning. She didn't look quite right. She doesn't have a fever. Everything seemed fine. But do you mind just checking in with her at lunch? Send her down to the nurse if you need to. And we can respond quickly back and say, yep, we'll keep an eye on her. We'll check in in a few hours. And then that kind of gives you reassurance as a parent, you know, sending your kid off. Ooh, were they sick? Were they feeling okay? Mm -hmm. Um, We're happy to know those things and check in on them and we're all a team
0: together like Nicole said. That's right.
1: Absolutely.
0: I think the team part is great because like as as a parent you're with your child in the evening and on the weekends but the teacher is really with your student all day for 180 or however many days we are in school and so I think it's just a really great point that we are a team and to reach out to your teachers or if there's a question or something and really build that relationship with the teacher as well because You love your your child and your teacher loves them just as much as you do during the school day and and always. So I think that was a great point to leave at as we wrap up today and um, just wanted to say thank you to both of you for being here. Just hearing you talk about your students and hearing you talk about experiences you have makes me excited for the school year for my own kids and for any kids that are going to be in your class this year or who have been in your class or will be in the future. Thank you for all you do every day to inspire our learners and to make our world a better place. Thank you so much. Thank you, it was nice talking with you.
1: Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening. This resource is produced as a partnership between the Anoka Hennepin Parent Engagement Program and Student Services Department. Be sure to check out additional episodes in the Parent Engage 360 podcast series. For more information, or to share feedback, visit ahschools.us slash parentengage360.